0: Everybody, welcome back to the podcast, my first season. My name is Greg, and we have a very, very special guest today who came highly recommended to me from another ex who said you better get this gentleman on the show as soon as possible. So I reached out to him, he agreed. His first season was in Club Sam Sandpiper in April of 1989 as a bargio. He is from Toronto, but is now living in Arizona and he promised he would tell me all about that story. So without further ado, everyone, please help me welcome to the show, Scott. Hey Scott, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great, Greg, thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure that you accepted my kind offer. So I'm glad that you were you were able to do this today because I think yours is the first time where we spoke and then uh, we immediately did the interview and set up a time the same day. That never happens. <laughs> I've been um, rescheduling with people for about eight months now, if you can believe it. Like just uh-huh. hasn't hasn't gotten together. So boy, do I really appreciate the heck out of you for doing this. Thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like living in the moment.
0: Which is yes, we are recording this on Canadian Thanksgiving Day. So I guess you having dual citizenship of sorts or celebrating two days i think you know how the show works if we take me back i think you told me you were living in toronto and um and is that is that where you first heard about club met
1: uh no actually i mean yeah i i grew up in toronto i was born in the states but parents one was american one was canadian so had me in the states went back to toronto grew up there went to college in the u.s i played club hockey at ohio state oh really and um went on to um after graduation, live in California and uh, didn't know what I wanted to do after college. So started bartending in a nightclub, basically in Oakland, California, a big nightclub. And uh, one day, one of the other bartenders came in and told me about Club Med. I uh, was interviewing for bartenders and joked about being bartenders in the Caribbean. And I went on and filled everything out. And the next thing I knew, I, I got a letter because this was before email and cell phones and text messages and all that. I got a letter in the mail saying we'd like to interview you. There's group interviews at uh, Universal Studios, Hollywood in LA. And
0: um, kidding. They did the interviews at Universal Studios?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All and right. the, 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 I think it was the Hilton okay. Hotel. And uh, yeah, so I had my my good my college roommate for most of my time there at Ohio State was living in L.A. at the time. He was a musician. And uh, so I thought, you know what, I'll go down and and do the the interview. It was on a Friday and uh, hang out with him for the weekend and go watch his band play and stuff like that. So um, it took off
0: from there. Okay, two questions. So where did you learn to become a beverage concoctionist, fancy word for bartender? Now, did you take courses or uh, you just knew how to mix drinks naturally?
1: Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of uh, uh, self-exploration, if you will, as, at, as growing up.
0: At Ohio State? Um, <laughs> at,
1: yes, at Ohio State, a little prior to Ohio State. But no, when I got to Ohio State, um, I, I stopped playing hockey my, my senior year because I was pretty beat up. And um, one of the guys that I knew at college had just graduated and he opened a bar up on uh, the main street and uh, he basically came up to a few of us and said, you know, uh, I want you guys to bartend for me mainly because I trust you. And, you know, we all said we don't really know how to bartend. And he's like, well, can you open a beer? Can you pour a shot? We said, yeah. And he said, well, that's basically all it is at college. (laughs) So uh, I started started bartending there for him because at that time, Ohio was 19 to drink. That's how old I am. (laughs) And so the the bars were really busy. Um, And so, yeah, so I started bartending for him just, you know, uh, weekends and stuff like that while I was during my senior year. And it was just a lot of fun to do. And yeah, I learned everything from him and some of the other bartenders and stuff like that.
0: Now so, with your interview, did you, was this just a standard like one-on-one interview? I think back then there wasn't really much of what they get nowadays where they throw you on stage, ask you to uh, oh God, no. do some dancing or tell some jokes. So you don't have to tell any jokes. Okay.
1: No, God, no, no, there was absolutely no dancing or no <laughs> singing or joking okay. or anything like that. Let me preface. So I drove down from San Francisco to LA and got to the Hilton and I got there a little bit early. I don't remember what time the interview was, but I remember it being about an hour early. So I went into the Hilton and, uh, and I went into the bar and I thought, you know what, I'm going to calm my nerves a little bit and just have a, a, a cocktail. So I sat down at the bar and again, this is kind of showing my age, but there was a man sitting next to me with a bald head and he turned and looked at me and he said, hi, how you doing? And I looked at him. And as a kid, I grew up watching a show called Kojak with a guy named Telly Savalas. That's right. Yeah, it was Telly Savalas.
0: Right. <laughs> Who loves you, baby.
1: Yeah, exactly. There you go. And so, yeah, so he looked at me and we just started chatting and I told him about the, uh, about the interview and everything like that. And he was just really nice. And you know, wished me luck and off I went, kind of thing. But that was kind of the, I, I don't know, I felt like that was the start of a good day kind of thing. I thought that this is pretty cool. So, anyways, long story short, walked into the interview. It was supposed to be a group interview. Um, there was about 50 or 60 of us in a ballroom and small ballroom, and someone came up, I can't remember who it was, and said, you know, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna meet with all of you individually for a short bit, and I'm gonna give you a speech on what Club Med's all about. No one's gonna get hired today. We're just gonna meet everybody, and we'll take it from there and contact you afterwards. Okay, great. And uh, so the the person went through the speech on what Club Med was and how it started and the history and everything and all about. And honestly, I knew nothing about Club Med. Thought, okay, this sounds cool. And then I got called in. Um, to a room and um, you know I can't remember the gentleman's name now but he was from the the Paris office and from growing up in Toronto I had 12 years of French and so at that back then I actually could understand and speak French fairly well and he had made he was on the phone he made some comment to somebody on the phone and I it, it I don't know it made me react and when he got off the phone he looked at me and he said to me do you understand French and I said yeah And so I explained my background to him and he just looked at me square in the eye and he said, yeah, and you're a bartender. Yeah, we need you in Sandpiper in about two weeks. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And he said, yeah. And I said to him, I thought nobody was getting hired. And he's like, yeah, no, you're kind of a unique person. You have an American passport, Canadian working papers. You can speak French, you can speak English, you know how to bartend yeah, we need you there now. And I said, well, I, I got to go home and I got to, you know, wrap things up and, and do this. But I said, sure. Great. And so before I knew it, I mean, this was in March of 89. By the I think it was the first week of April, I was in Sandpiper.
0: All right. Your story keeps raising questions. So did you <laughs> did you learn French in Toronto?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go, I mean, back then in, uh, in Toronto, it was mandatory to have French all the way through 11th grade. Okay. Um, and I took it in 12th grade just because if you will, I mean, I don't know, it just seemed like the natural thing to do.
0: Okay. Now, prior to him immediately offering you a job in your head, did you have visions of the West Indies and Bahamas? And because I always ask, uh, you know, people, especially Americans, their first reaction to like, I'm going to travel the world and they're sent to their, their own country. Did you have any of these notions of, uh, of Tahiti in your head or you were just happy to work anywhere?
1: You know, I was happy. I, I, I was, you know, hoping to work in like the Bahamas or, or, you know, Jamaica or something like that. Again, I didn't know anything about Club Med, so I didn't know where they were uh, or anything like that. You know, I'd been to Florida on vacation a few times, but I, my, my family grew up, we didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't do much traveling or anything like that. And uh, yeah, so I guess I was hoping for a, an island or, you know, a sandy beach, when I got the the notification, I was going to Sandpiper. I'm like, oh, well, Florida is kind of cool. And then I kind of uh, remember trying to figure out where it was. And I'm like, okay, we're not even on the beach. We're on a river. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I was a little taken back, but at the same time, it was going to be more fun bartending in Florida than it was in Oakland. So I thought, you know, what the heck? And, I, I'm an only child. So I, I, if you will, it's easy for me to pick up and move around and stuff like that. So I thought, you know what, we'll give it a shot and see where it leads.
0: How much uh, details did the, because uh, we all have the, that that person that told us about Club Med, including me, What were, were details um, sketchy from this person? Like, did he know a lot? Like, did he tell you you're going to work seven days a week and no day off and 12 hours a day or more? He didn't say anything.
1: Okay. <laughs> nah, no, no, no. I mean, like, if you will, my Club Med experience, started when they sent me my like uh, flight itinerary oh and boy. let me guess they yeah. bounced bounce so you I, around
0: to every airport on the eastern seaboard before you got to Florida I, right <laughs>
1: yeah I, I took off from San Francisco it was like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday and I didn't get into sandpiper. By the time they picked me up at the airport, the other geos picked me up at the airport and brought me up. Um, it was about six o'clock Saturday night because they were just starting the uh, the welcome cocktail party that was around the pool. Okay. So yeah, I was in I was on planes for more than twenty four hours.
0: It's almost like you went to Tahiti, really, but. Oh.
1: Yeah, just didn't
0: leave the continental USA. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I saw, I think I had three layovers. Oh,
0: God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They uh, got me there. Yeah. Well, I I share your pain. I've had those. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So you get there. So are you, you know, your first night? Are you, you, are you taking it all in? Are you like overwhelmed? Or are you like, I'm I'm okay. This this is Uh, easy.
1: They put, they literally put me right to work. Like I said, they were, they were shorthanded bartenders. Oh, um, classic. and, uh, I, I, I literally, they, we, they picked me up at the airport. We drove in and, uh, they, I, I took my bags to my room and then within two seconds of me entering the room, someone was banging on my door saying, we need you down helping us with the cocktail party. Kind of oh, so, yeah. So I went right to work for the cocktail party. They were doing so we finished the cocktail party, grabbed a bite to eat, and then they were doing grease that night, the show. Linda, I can't remember Linda's last name now, but she was the choreographer. She grabbed me and said, uh, "We need extras for grease. Um, you're going to be on stage. Oh, tonight. come on,
0: this is still your first night
1: this, this this is this is within the first three hours. My God, and
0: technically bargios don't really have to do shows, boy, they really pounced on you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, so there was only, I mean, roughly at a Sandpiper at that time, there was about 100 GOs. And I was one of six male GOs. Ah. So and and then there was the chief of sports, Lionel Benzoni and the chief of village, Jean-Luc. So there was eight males in the in the village okay. so that's why I was grabbed right away is because they, they need to make it look like it wasn't an all-girls high school during Greece they needed a few boys <laughs> on the stage yeah yeah um, you need so some you,
0: actual tea birds right I mean <laughs>
1: uh, yeah it was it was yeah that was it pretty much and so they grabbed me and and threw me on stage and you know again if you will I'm I'm an old hockey player that had you know, I wasn't the kid in drama or anything like that in high school. I mean, I'd never been on stage in my life. So I just, again, I just kind of went with it. I had a couple cocktails to loosen me up and (laughs) jumped on stage and uh, Linda told me what to do. And so I kind of stood in the background and danced around and, and everything went fine. So yeah,
0: it sounds similar to my stories. Looking back, uh-huh. I mean, you probably after after the uh, amount of flying you did, you must have been exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably would have liked to have, have gone to bed early and and then, you know, get <laughs> was refreshed. But aren't you glad now? Like, because this is a better story, right? They immediately yeah. threw you at the bar and then you got. What to be in the show on the same night in a mm-hmm. way, in your way you're probably happy that it, it happened that way. Right. Because it's a much better story, right? When,
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where if, if somebody had come up and said, who wants to volunteer and be on stage, I would have never lifted my hand, not because I was afraid, but it's something I would just never done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always in sports. I was always playing sports. You know, I was that guy, if you will, I wasn't in, on that other side of the coin. So, yeah, I mean, with Linda doing that, honestly, it, It kind of broke the ice for me without me having to make a decision, which was great. And then um, to your point about Bargeos not being in shows, well, again, since there was only a few guys in the village, I don't know if it was Linda or Jean-Luc, the chief of village that basically went to my chief of bar and said, yeah, he's going to work day bar because he's got to be in the shows. So so, and and again, I didn't really mind that. I mean, so I ended up, you know, if you will, I would open the bar every day at eight o'clock and work till about four. Um, and then the the night bartenders would come on and, and then I would get off and, you know, do shows and stuff like that. So it, def- it definitely integrated me into the village more right from the start.
0: I never um, I never experienced that. I've never even heard of a of a village being that lopsided in terms of male to female ratio. I mean, uh, do, I mean, I guess in your subsequent seasons, you've never saw that again. Right. I mean, it was always almost an even mix. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, actually, like, I I mean, I went on to Cancun after that. And I'd say that was more, probably 75% male, 25% female. Um, St. Lucia, where I went after that was pretty about 50-50. And same thing with Eleuthera. So I don't know why Sandpiper was like that. I I don't think there was any grand scheme. I think it was just they were bringing people in and, and dropping them in the village. And I remember that there was, there was visa requirements. It had something to do, because I'd asked somebody, and somebody said, it has to do with being the villages in the States and work visas. And I guess there was only so many. And so, because most of the people that worked there were Americans. Yes. Uh, there was a few uh, European GOs and a few Canadians, but there was limitation.
0: Did you experience any kind of culture shock or Club Med culture shock when you arrived? Um, I mean, were there any Europeans there that uh, week that you arrived at any, anything like? take you, take you aback a bit?
1: uh. Yeah. I mean, we had, well, again, being Sampai Florida, we had a lot of people that came through pretty steadily from the Paris office. First of all, a lot of executives from Club Med back then, never the Trigonos, but everybody else, if you will, up the chain and a lot of other chief villages that would, would come between their villages and would stop there. And so being that I worked the day bar too, if you will, it kind of opened up a lot of Uh, meetings for me and connections. Um, I got to meet all these people. At first, if you will, I was kind of dismissed a little bit because everyone just assumed I was American and didn't speak French. Uh, I had a couple of times where people made comments and, and again, I reacted and either answered in French or gave them kind of a look, if you will. And yeah. And so then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he speaks French and you know, he knows how to pour Ricard and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so yeah. So then all of a sudden, I, I, I you know, it, it made the job more interesting and, and enjoyable. We also had a lot of Japanese GMs that came through um, as they wanted to go to, to uh, Disneyland and Epcot. And we had, I want to say, three dedicated Japanese GOs that would go with them um, as interpreters. And a lot of honey, it was a lot of honeymoon parties, Japanese parties that would come. So and they would always come in and into the bar in the morning. And again, being a little bit uh, sheltered growing up, they would come in and they'd walk in and they'd look at me and they'd yell Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) And So being that I played (laughs) hockey for Ohio State, I thought, wow that's kind of cool. They're yelling Ohio. At
0: me. They're big fans.
1: <laughs> not, yeah. Not understanding. They were saying like, welcome, good morning, whatever kind of thing. That's, yeah. That's right. So <laughs> I had to pick, I had to, I, I made a fool of myself. I said that to somebody I said, that's so nice that they all come in and cheer for Ohio. And they laughed at me and they said, you're an idiot. And <laughs> They're not saying oh, Ohio. Well, they, they,
0: they probably weren't Michigan fans anyway, right? No, no I don't. Okay, think okay. <laughs>
1: <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I, like I said, I got to meet a lot of people, as well as, as if you will, the typical GMS. But I got a, I got exposed to a lot more people, in general, because of that bar. So
0: it was good. Did you have time? I mean, once you settled in, did you have time to uh, learn any of the uh, the sports there? Or I don't know, do water ski? Did you have any time to do that? Or you're just constantly do, setting up for one big cocktail and? No,
1: I I was. I mean, I even to this day afterwards in like my professional career, I've always described myself as a jack of trades. I grew up again, going to lakes north of Toronto and water skiing with friends and stuff like that. So I knew how to ski and uh, my roommate actually was a guy named John and uh, John was chief of water ski. And so he grabbed onto me real fast and put me in the water ski shows. So I did the water ski shows there and every now and then I'd get some time off. I mean, back then it was pretty, pretty standard that you work seven days a week and, you know, right through your, your whole season, but Again, if I was needed somewhere else, we had uh, a couple local bar Well, they weren't technically local. They were from Haiti that could bartend. And so every now and then, if they needed me somewhere else, I might have to jump out of the bar for an hour or two and go down to the ski docks or something like that. So, or circus. I did circus a lot too. Oh, so, really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. You did it all right. That's a pretty, pretty much packed, uh, yeah. pretty packed for seasons. So I guess, uh, Bastille days coming around on July 14. Did you know, uh, I guess you had some pretty big preparations there. Did you know what Bastille day was uh, or just,
1: I nope, didn't <laughs> okay. know what Bastille day was. <laughs> had no idea. I mean, July 4th, obviously coming up first, yeah. uh, that was the big one. Bastille day for us that year. Well, well before Bastille day, uh, the one geo I worked with, Heo Kirby, who was, um,
0: so he was, um, he was one of those eight male, eight or yes. nine male geos. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Heo and I were pretty good buddies. Heo uh, is an iron worker and construction guy. And he decided he wanted to, um, with the help of the one maintenance engineer, build small, well, not a small replica, but a replica of the Eiffel Tower for Bastille yeah, Day. Yeah,
0: I've seen those photos. It was pretty yeah. big. Eh?
1: Yeah, it was uh, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to say 40. I mean, he'll probably correct me, but 40 or 50 feet high is four or five stories high at least. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, so we took to building, I mean, there was a number of us that just helped if you will. Um, And we built the, the, the mock-up of the Eiffel tower and, and then, yeah, I mean, that was a huge, well, we prepared for it for about a week. And then the whole day before, and most of that night we were up making Drinks and things like that. We do a lot of drink prep work and put them in walk in freeze, walk in coolers and stuff like that. So we could just bring stuff out that day. But the logistics was tough too because nothing was around the bar. It was out in the fields and over by circus or down by the water and stuff like that. So by, by the water skiing and sailing. So yeah, we were running around a lot that day.
0: Working at the main bar, did you ever come across uh, celebrities or athletes that you recognized in the resort? That not, or, or not maybe- in sandpiper no oh, okay
1: um a buddy of mine played for the chicago bears uh sean gale and came down and visited me when i was in cancun and um with one of the running backs from the bears at the time and you know other than that i don't think i really i mean we when we were in saint lucio mtv came down and uh did a big shoot and stuff like that they, they were filming for mtv back then and stuff like that uh if my saint Lucia team was kind of like if you will the the uh the legends the old legends of uh club med now it was hammer uh Keeley and uh jenner um and uh hansel
0: oh yeah oh, okay uh, you were there you were there that season then uh, yeah I've heard about this season a lot yeah yes. it was
1: it was a it was a pretty crazy season like i said we I mean, it's like half the people went on to be chief of sports or chief of villages or, you know, some of them are still working with the club. But yeah, everybody was there. And and uh, so MTV was there. I, I don't remember if there were celebrities there, but yeah, that was. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the people I worked with, I mean, have stories of di- I'm one of the divers I worked with because I, I transitioned from bar to becoming a scuba geo. Yeah, I was going to
0: ask you about that. So you, um, so you became an instructor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Winnie, the one instructor I worked with, took uh, Richard Gere and uh, oh, what was the who was he married to? The Cindy beautiful Cindy Crawford. Mom, Cindy Crawford. He took them diving. So on a private dive, the three of them. So.
0: Okay. So yeah. what, so what point? So is it when you left Sandpiper, you wanted to become a scuba instructor? No,
1: I, I again, growing up in Toronto, you know, cement city, I, I I, wasn't even that good of a swimmer, to be honest with you. Um, I went on to Cancun, and my roommate there was a guy named Brian Hilton, who was a scuba geo. And uh, when I went to Cancun, I ran the nightclub with uh, Steve Riley. Um, wow. And uh, Steve was the restaurant manager, and I ran the nightclub. And my hours were basically 10 at night to six in the morning. And so I would bartend and, and run the nightclub all night with Steve. And then I would get up in the morning and Brian, well, one day he took me down to the docks and we jumped in the water with all the equipment on and Brian proceeded to rip off my mask and rip up my regulator. And I sat there on the about <laughs> eight feet of water, looking at him underwater. Yeah. And then he demonstrated how to put it all back on. And I did. And we swam to the surface and he's like, yeah, you're going to be an instructor. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so Teach
0: me how. So did you get what, I guess, assuming you're Patty certified?
1: Brian was Nowy. And no. so I did open water with Brian in Cancun and, and finished that. And then when I left Cancun, I went on to St. Lucia and I didn't want to work behind the bar anymore. So I uh, transitioned <laughs> MJ Foreman who worked in the offices uh, at Had dated a friend of mine when I was at Ohio state. And so we had kind of a connection there. And so her and, um, Rod said, what do you want to do if you go to St. Lucian? I said, "Ah, what what kind of jobs do you got? And he's like, well, you could do kids club. I'm like, sure. Sign me up. So I went to kids club. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to kids club, but, uh, they used me basically as the sports person for kids club. So I would go around, I didn't have a group. I would go around with all the groups and take them to the different, uh, because I could do all the sports. I could water ski. I could do circus. I could, I, the only thing I couldn't do was sailing. I never really learned how to sail, but I'd take the kids to all the different things, all the different sports and, and go from there. So, um, And while I was doing that, uh, we would, we would, we had like tri scuba in the pool. We'd put these little tanks, these little pony tanks on the kids and swim them around. And I was just hanging out with the scuba guys a lot. And so, yeah, so they, if you will, took me under their wing and I went from advanced diver all the way up to dive master in St. Lucia and, you know, basically transitioned to the dive team there. Officially I was still kids club. But um, and then from there, I went to Eleuthoro where I was on the snorkeling and the dive team.
0: OK, <laughs> I've got a
1: strange story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the typical G.O., if you will.
0: Do you have any funny stories from your first season? And if not any from your other seasons,
1: funny stories um, doesn't
0: have to be funny. I just like them if they're funny, you know, it could be. A, <laughs> but it could be a horror show, you know, like uh, like Joel, um, like Joel had one wasn't really funny. He told me his story about how the head of uh, uh, animation or lighting and sound for him just basically tore up his whole control box before the show and said, put it back together. So it could be something like that. If that's, that's not funny, but that's a hell of a story, you know? Um, <laughs> or, or did you do any typical first season geo blunders? Uh, I don't know. Embarrass yourself. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I guess, you know, for me being on stage every night was a blunder for me because <laughs> I, I really had no a clue of what you know, uh, acting, if you will, or or being on stage was all about. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank right now. I should have. Oh no, we could come have back. Thought of something we, beforehand. We,
0: we, we could come back to that one. Okay, <laughs> I have other questions. Uh, your first season, was there any? Being as how it was your first season, were there any uh, managers or employees that stood out to you in a positive way? That I don't know, made it come kind of a positive impact on you, or you admired their worth, work ethic. Was there anyone like that that first season?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, well, honestly, our chief of village, Jean-Luc, I got to be good friends with because his, I did, I, I saw Jean-Luc less than I saw his wife and his kids. Cause his wife and kids would come into the restaurant during the day when I was bartending. And it was always kind of, a, it seemed like a quieter time and he just had the sweetest kids. And, and, and Jean-Luc and I, again, being not that many men, when there was some type of smaller act in the, in the, in the shows, Jean-Luc and I usually seem to be, be in them together, but Jean-Luc, I, 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 he was just such a nice guy. I mean, he just made, made my whole experience more enjoyable there. You know, the other guy I really, I still joke around with today. I mean, we don't see each other a whole lot or talk a whole lot, but was uh, Mark. Mark was the chief of boutique. I I, I was kind of in couple dating one of the uh, boutique ladies. So I used to see Mark every day too, because I'd run over to the boutique to see Lauren. But M- Mark just always made me laugh. And, and uh, you know, he, he he ran a good business, if you will. And he's still in business to today, I believe. He's got his shop in Florida called the Funky Monkey. And um, yeah, Mark was just, he just always made me laugh. I mean, that, that was the thing about him. And the way he handled his team was great and everything like that. So that that those were the two people that come to mind right away in uh, sandpiper. After that, the, probably the person that had one of the bigger impacts on me was Hansel, Hansel Moss. I mean, yes. I, I still keep in touch with Hansel today and you know, I, I worked with him in St. Lucia and being he was my chief of sports, he was very patient that a kids club person was doing all these sports and 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 and, and just kind of joining the dive team unofficially and stuff like that. If, if if he wouldn't have allowed it, I probably wouldn't have moved on um, as, as I did in Club Med, and and then I went on to see him. I went to a, on a vacation in San Salvador a number of years after that in the in the late nineties and saw Hansel there as the photographer and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I might
0: have I might have saw you there then. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's where yeah. I, I met I met Hansel in ninety six, but you know they sent okay. me three three times to Columbus Isle, so uh, yeah, all, all the time I, with I Hansel. I love that
1: village. I love it's just yeah, gorgeous, it's
0: beautiful, yeah. yeah. About how long did you stay like your first season? Did you leave around like October, November, like the changeover or, or did you stay for like another six months?
1: No, I was, I was out of there just before Halloween. I mean, oh, really, okay. back then it was, it was still like six months, go home for a week or two, depending on I don't know, what you had going on or where you wanted to go. Um, or some people just went to their next village, but uh, yeah, six months there went home and then I was in Cancun, like two weeks later well, I was in, they, in the beginning of November.
0: When you were in Sandpiper, did you fill out a dream sheet? Did they ask you where you wanted to go or you just, yes. okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you chose Cancun and you got it.
1: Yeah, actually okay. I did. Yeah. That was the top three. And I don't okay. know why I chose Cancun in, in retrospect. I don't remember why. I think I just put down, I think I put down Cancun Turks and, probably Martinique. I think I wanted to go to a single Yeah. Show. Well,
0: yeah. Guessing by uh, your, th- your three choices, Scott, I probably I could probably yeah. figure it out.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we had times at Sandpiper during that season where I remember, especially when we didn't have, when the village wasn't full, it was three or 400 people in the village. And honestly, it seemed like 300 were kids and 100 were adults. I mean, yeah, uh, we, it was even on the schedule a few times. If you weren't in the show, the geos had to attend the show because uh there was lulls during the oh yeah during the season where there was no guests there. <laughs>
0: That's right. Oh yeah, I, re- I remember those days, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the guests that were there had small kids, so they'd all go to bed. Yeah. So we'd all be, you know, everybody'd be in the you'd be performing to your peers, if you will, which actually made me more nervous. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Some of those yeah. hecklers can be uh pretty intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially your, your, yes, there well, there your was roommate, a lot of... your roommate, you know, you suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Oh, we were always goofing around on stage and doing silly things to see if the audience would pick it up and things like that. Or, or (laughs) if you will, almost trying to take away from whoever was doing the main part, if you will, we were trying like, I was, I was never really a main part person. I was always in the background, but we'd always try to do something to get the audience to start watching us, if you will. So
0: did you uh, take a shine to crazy signs at all? Did you have to do those? Um,
1: I can't say I was in love with crazy science. <laughs>
0: that's okay. No,
1: that's um no, no problem. you know, again, I wasn't being either the, when you're in the show, you don't, you know, you're you're on stage, so it's not like you can run away and hide. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're and, and when and when, like I said, when you're one of six guys and the and you're pretty good friends <laughs> with the chief of village, he looks up and down the row. And if you don't, you know. He, yeah. he, he would catch me right away. Yeah,
0: that's up. an easy uh, head count in that village. Right? Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, um, but then when I went to Cancun, being that I was running the nightclub, I was setting the nightclub up during the show. And so I, I honestly, I don't think I ever did crazy signs in, uh, in Cancun. So you, were, you were
0: still in, uh, we're still in 1989 in Cancun then, If I guess if you got 1990,
1: there. 1990, 1990 with Ye.
0: Okay, so did you miss the big Christmas New Year's in Cancun? You arrived after that? No, I was
1: there right before. I, I got there the beginning of November. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, so I was there for Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. I was there for Christmas, New Year's, all that.
0: Was it rough working during the holidays for you? It was it the first time away from home for Christmas? I mean, it wasn't the first time. I
1: mean, it was the first time, I guess you'd say, out of out the of U.S. or Canada.
0: You know, it was it was a little
1: rough, if you will. You know, I mean, you're kind of isolated. And, you know, if you will, you're doing everything for everybody else to have a wonderful Christmas. And there wasn't we had a Christmas dinner that was really nice with the the staff uh, that I still have good pictures from. But for the most part, yeah, it was like you had to put your Christmas and your your feelings aside and just work. And that was it kind of thing. So that that was a little rough at first. So um, but, you know, we got through it and New Year's was fun. I mean, especially running the nightclub on New Year's Eve was fun, and uh, yeah, and then we went from there.
0: So, do you recall any since you you worked at the bar? You know, to start, do you recall any? Do you have any favorite dumb questions that were asked? Because I uh, I I kind of like the dumb questions that we used to get. So, do you recall any uh, kind of like when will it stop raining stuff stuff of yeah. that nature? Do you any yeah. come to mind? Uh,
1: you know, uh, Sandpiper, not so many dumb questions, and even Cancun, not so many dumb questions. Where the dumb questions were, we and so my chief of village in Saint Lucia was Pierre. I don't remember Pierre's last name. He's the the Canadian
0: oh, chief of village. Oh, so. Pierre Latelier Gagnon, I think maybe. That's it. Okay, <laughs> bingo. Uh, okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's probably why I can't remember it. I can't say it. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> But Pierre, when we would have our weekly meetings, Pierre actually had a contest where you could stand, it was in the theater, and you'd stand up, and uh, everybody either say the funniest thing they saw that week or the dumbest question or whatever and and then uh the winner would get a bag of barbeats really that's a great uh, yeah. idea it, wow. it was a, it was a lot of fun actually i mean he well he usually did it every week unless we were all in trouble and we were getting scolded for something but but um that didn't happen too often usually they were very positive meetings and and uh and so that at the end of the meeting everybody would stand up and give their spiel and and then he would throw the bag of barbeats to whoever he thought was the
0: funniest did guy. you ever uh, did you ever win one of those for the dumbest question of the week
1: no you know i i never won i never won there what i did win in saint lucia was buster douglas was fighting mike tyson that's right so the gms actually put it together they put together one of the square things like in football where you pick the round yes and- and 10 second intervals of each round right so the the, the board was huge honestly well Maybe i can imagine
0: yes how much money was lost because we all know the outcome of that fight so uh, i guess people are betting big on tyson right
1: well no it wasn't one of one of those things where you bet on a fighter it's where you you know you pick us so like with the super bowl you know how you have the yeah. squares and you pick a square just blind and then they yeah. they fill in what it is yeah. so it was the same thing they they, they you picked squares blind and then they wrote Buster Douglas on the top and Tyson on the side. And then they put the rounds and the, and the times. Anyways, I, I just, I just threw like everybody was doing it, if you will. So I just threw in, it was a, we were all doing it with bar beads at the time because yellow bar beads were worth a, a dollar. So everyone would just throw in a yellow barbead to buy a square. So I just bought a square. I got Buster Douglas. I think it was the third round and like three minutes in two minutes in or something. Well, guess what? Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson in the third round, two minutes in.
0: That's right.
1: I won the jar of yellow Barbies. Wow. I think there was more than a thousand dollars worth of Barbies there. (laughs) It was ridiculous. And it was, and here's the best part. It was like two weeks before I was to leave.
0: (laughs) just just say, you probably bought a lot of drinks for your friends. I
1: just basically <laughs> spilled them out in the nightclub in St. Lucian. I said, everybody have at it, get yourself drinks. Yeah,
0: nice. So we had a
1: really fun time, but um, yeah. That, that was one of the, I don't think I've ever been that lucky, honestly. That was one of the crazier things. That's,
0: that's better than winning a lottery. Come on.
1: <laughs> oh, it, it was actually. We had so much fun and, and you know, we had fun with the GMs and stuff like that. St. Lucia was just a great village. I mean, not just the staff um, and not to take away from Sandpiper, but it, we had a great team. We had a great uh, chief of village and the GMs that would come there just, I don't know. They just, they all had a lot of fun. I mean, even every now and then we'd get get a group of travel agents that would show up thinking that uh, St. Lucia was turquoise and, you know, it wasn't. (laughs) And they would just hang out with us in the nightclub and we'd all have fun. And it was just it was a beautiful island. Everyone was relaxed. And so, I mean, probably my best memories, honestly, are from St. Lucia.
0: Okay. Uh. Yeah. Oh, well, side, side note here, side question. I like to ask this question because it happens to me and a lot of other XGOs. Is you ever like today, do you ever like dream, have a recurring dream where you're back at Club Med? Do you ever get this or not at all? Uh, and you're, and, you're, re- and you're, work, you're working, you're not on vacation, you're working. <laughs> okay.
1: Right. Yeah. Not, not so much anymore. I mean, I can say okay. that I had some serious withdrawals when I left Club Med. I mean, you know, basically went. you know, it was, when you were a geo back then you were kind of like a rock star. And so, you know, when you go back, I, I went back to San Francisco, you know, you'd, you'd go to a bar with friends and, you know, you'd have to show ID and nobody knew you and <laughs> you had to use money. And, you know, like there, there was none of that. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know, camaraderie, I guess you'd say. And so yeah, for a while there, I really thought about just going back to work. And I still had a lot of friends that were still working for the club back then. But, you know, now I just think of it fondly, honestly, and I'd love to, you know, my my daughter is turning 10 next year. And so the plan is to get her junior open water certified. And then from there, we'll probably go to, I don't know, one of the villages, eventually, I mean, when she's Probably she'll start diving for a little while, and then when she gets a little bit older, maybe we'll take her to one of the club meds. but uh, yeah
0: do you do you still dive?
1: uh I do actually <laughs> you know the crazy world we work in literally I just started a new job running a scuba store lo- last week, yeah oh, oh really weeks
0: ago. Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. You wouldn't think there's a lot of scuba diving in Phoenix, but
0: actually <laughs> there is. Well, I was, was going to ask you. Yeah, where in Arizona you're you're located? Okay, so
1: yeah, yeah, in Phoenix. So they do a lot of we do a lot of classes, and we have a lake close to us called Lake Pleasant. We do open water dives there, and then honestly, we just run a ton of trips out to California what, and the Caribbean.
0: What's the visibility like? Like how many feet is the visibility in this lake that you go?
1: Uh zero to three. Uh, okay, yeah, those are on the uh, good sounds, days. Sounds like
0: camp. Sounds like Canada. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I did, it, uh, my dive. <laughs>
1: and it's cold. I mean, even though we're in Arizona, the water comparative, you know, to Cozumel and and uh, Saint Lucian stuff, the water's cold. But, but you know, it is what it is. So you take what you can get sometimes. So, but it's a it's a nice job to go into every day. It's not Club Med, but it's a it's still a really nice environment to deal with divers every day and stuff. So.
0: Yeah, and if you like the smell of neoprene, well, hey. <laughs> a lot of people do. I don't, but a lot of people do.
1: Okay. <laughs> there you go.
0: Okay, uh, Christian, of all the seasons you did, do you have uh, one, do you have one where you know, well, if it might be your first season that do you would you describe one as magical or would you just say that you like them all for different reasons or is there one that stood out above all, above all the others and that was your magical one?
1: Well, again, I, I They, they were, they all definitely people always ask me that in general, which village did you like the most and things like that. Even, even when we were working in the club, that was a a general question. Jim's would ask us at, at dinner or lunch. They definitely all had their pluses and minuses. I mean, I, I honestly am so glad that I did start in Sandpiper because it was the easiest way to ease into club med culture because we were still in Florida. And so, if there was something that you didn't have or didn't or needed, you could still jump in a car (laughs) and and get there because there was a few GOs that had cars in Sandpiper um, because they were from the Miami area, and so they just drove up. And so that that and and if you will, it was just learning about Club Med and like I said, the positive experience there. From there, you know, Cancun was a whole different animal back then. It was pretty crazy, like turquoise. And it was like kind of one giant nightclub party for six months, almost St. Lucia was St. Lucia was probably if I I had to pick one, as I was saying earlier, it was just because all around, I mean, we just had such a great time. The team was incredible. The GMs were incredible. The island was, and we were, we really lived the life because we were fully isolated. I mean, we had back then we had phone banks where it was like $20 a minute. So you really didn't call anybody. I think we got mail about every two or three weeks. So you didn't get any mail or anything. So, I mean, I remember we honestly didn't remember that the, um, the Iraq war, I think it was the Iraq war. Yeah. The Iraq war started with the U S in 91 or 90.
0: Yeah.
1: that's right. Um, we didn't know that it had started for a week or two afterwards and we only learned about it from guests. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, we had no TVs, no yeah. phones, nothing, right? So there was no cell phones or anything like that, no computers, no laptops. So, uh, yeah, if you will, it was, it was kind of old school back then. Eleuthera is a beautiful island, too. I mean, I'm sad that Eleuthera is no longer a Club Med, it's no longer there because the beach was gorgeous and the people were the, the, the locals who I worked a lot with there on the scuba boat and the snorkeling boat. They were just amazing.
0: Wow. Okay. No, that's a, it's a very good answer. Did you ever, did you ever find that when you got like a package from a GM was like some big status symbol that ever, did that ever, do you ever get like packages sent to you from guests who were like happy, you know, had a good time with you? And
1: I, I did, honestly, it was mostly from St. Lucia because I'd been working with the kids so much and especially there was weeks where um, if you will, the whole mini club was women, uh, geo's. And myself, okay. <laughs> and, poor, poor guy. Okay. Yeah, I didn't complain a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> way, um,
1: okay. But uh, yeah, um, so I, I, you know, I got to know a lot of the, the kids pretty well. I mean, and I mean, there was a couple weeks too where we had teenagers, and um, I remember Pierre coming up to me saying, "I, you know, normally you work with all the groups, but this week I just need you to work with the teenagers because." the, the, the ladies don't know what to do with them. And we, in St. Lucia, the, the mini club geos a lot were either European or they're French Canadian. And so, and then the teenagers that we have, and, and mostly like 12, 13, 14, 15, um, were American kids. And so they didn't know how to deal with these kids. And I had coached hockey and, and baseball when I was growing up too and stuff like that. So if you will, I was very comfortable with kids. And so, yeah, so I took over with them and I, you know, back then there was definitely no tipping allowed. Right. And so That's when right. we would do departures, we'd all stand there and clap and watch the people get on the bus. And I, like the first time it happened, I was standing across from Pierre uh, right at the front of the line and uh, the dad and mom came up to me and and handed me a hundred dollar bill. And so, you know, every part of me wants to take it because, you know, <laughs> I have no money, uh, right? Yeah, it's almost a <laughs> we month. You paid
0: nothing. Yeah, it's almost a month's salary. Come on. Right.
1: <laughs> so I, I wanted to take it. And so I, I just looked at Pierre and I said, I'm sorry, sir. You know, there's no tipping in Club Med. I can't take it. And they were from New York. I remember that. And they just made a big scene about it. And finally, Pierre crossed the line over to me and goes, Look, just take it already. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> he's like, you're making a scene. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) And I honestly, I fully expected him to come up after when the, uh, when it it ended the departure and say, okay, give me that money. And he didn't, he goes, I, I, he just came up and he goes, obviously you're doing a great job. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, from there, honestly, I, there was another little girl and her brother and they were from England. And I got a nice letter from them Not a nothing in it, but just a nice letter from them that really made me feel good because it said, if you ever leave Club Med and you want to see England, we would love to have you come over and either au pair for us for the kids or just stay with us for a week or two. And I was like, wow, (laughs) you know, so that was that that just, you know, just made me feel really good kind of thing that I'd made an impact so much on another family. So
0: I'll say it's a great story.
1: Yeah. Oh, so I, I've got a good story for you. I just okay. thought of one. It's kind of unique. Okay, good. So again, going back to St. Lucia, the, I was dating a, a girl in St. Lucia, another Geo, who was a hostess. And so they, every now and then the hostesses used to have to work late and uh, because of the nightclub. So I would stay up late because she was afraid to walk back to the, the barracks, we called them, where we lived. Because um, it was pretty dark, and so I was staying up late, and we got a buzz from the gate or the airport or somebody that we have in a late arrival, and it's like one in the morning. And um, the uh, the so I'm like, okay, and and the the, the woman I was dating, her name was Sarah. Sarah says, you know, I'm gonna need help with this arrival. And it was just, it was close to two o'clock I want to say. And so, okay. I said, no, no worries. We'll do it. And, you know, don't have to call anybody else. And it was one family. And so we went up there and a f- real nice family. They had three kids and everything like that. A ton of, just a ton of luggage. And so, and of course they were staying on like, I don't know, like the third, I think there was three floors in those buildings back, then the third floor, they were staying on the top. There was no elevators. I had to hump it up the stairs while Sarah took them to the room. So I was talking to the father and I didn't recognize him. And I said to him, you know, we we're just, I don't know, we are talking about everything and anything. And I said to him, so what do you do for a living? And he said, Oh, oh I'm, I'm a hockey coach. And I said, Oh, really? You know, I told him I played hockey and stuff like that. And I forget who they lost to, but the Bruins lost to somebody in the Stanley cup that year. I don't remember who beat them, but anyways, I said, that was one heck of a Stanley cup. Wasn't it? I mean, I said, I didn't get to see it, but I heard about it from some of the guests and everything like that, that were down here. And he just gave me the dirtiest look and kind of walked away from me. And his wife came up to me and she said, She looked at me so nicely, put her hand on my shoulder and said, "Hun, I know you don't know who we are, but just so you know, we're the Millberries. His name is Mike. He's the head coach of the Boston Bruins. And we just lost the Stanley Cup like two
0: nights ago. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that was I was like, oh, God. (laughs) And I said, what should I do? And she said, don't don't say anything to him tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And then the funny thing was, is they were there for two weeks at least I want to say, and, or three weeks, two or three weeks. They were there for a while, but yeah, we got, again, cause I was doing stuff with the kids. We had go-kart track in St. Lucia too, which was by far the most fun thing in the world. And so we, you know, I got to know his kids and stuff like that. So yeah. So he, he let me slide on it. He, he gave me a couple jabs about it, but uh, he's like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best thing to say to me that night. And I'm like, yeah, no, probably not. So well, this not is not be- really a funny story, but
0: no, 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 it, no, because, but well, this is probably because uh, since you're a big hockey guy, but since yeah. you're so cut off from news and information oh. and, and club med, like if you were yeah. back home, you would have known, right? I mean,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. definitely, Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because th- those three years I was out of the country, if you will, I lost track of everything. It was kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, you left the planet almost back then. So you didn't know what was going on at home. What
0: What year around did you stop?
1: nine the end of 91 okay so 80 all of 89 90 and most of 91 so yeah it was a a, it was a different time back then i guess yeah but like i said to this day though i probably keep in touch regularly with at least i'd say at least 20 geos um that i worked with through multiple seasons and different villages and stuff like that to this day we're still really good friends Heck, uh, before COVID, one of the last concerts I saw was Aerosmith in Las Vegas, and it was Heo, myself, who else was there, Sharon, who was a mini club geo that I worked with in a couple villages. And uh, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of us that, that just all out of the blue said, let's go to Vegas and just all met up there. So
0: yeah, well. Because of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I can't ask yeah. you about any of that, but, uh, you and, uh, you and Hio, Joel Kirby in Vegas must've been something.
1: <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah. yeah, it
0: was even as old men, we
1: still had a good time. <laughs>
0: yeah. You found you probably had some left in the tank a little bit there, you know, <laughs> well,
1: I, you know what my, I, I have an age, but if you will, my brain still thinks I'm 21.
0: So, That's right. Um, <laughs>
1: And my wife says I act like I'm 12 sometimes.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Scott, man, I really, uh, really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. I can't thank you enough.
1: Yeah, no problem. So it has been a pleasure. I don't think we ever crossed paths, Greg. No,
0: but, um, but you're you're always I always heard you're one of those names that I always heard about, you know, like from, <laughs> from the past, you know. So yeah. I'm glad we finally got a chance to meet up. And maybe when all this craziness is over, we'll go to an XGO reunion or something.
1: <laughs> I, I definitely think so. I mean, we have so many common friends, it's not even funny. Yeah, right? I think we have, about, so, we
0: have about 20, 20 mutual friends, I think.
1: <laughs> at least. And yeah. so yeah, I definitely think we'll have to catch up together at XGO.
0: So. All right, everyone. That was from the beautiful state of Arizona, Mr. Scott Richmond, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Scott. Bye bye.